Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Faith Alive at Rosebank Church. Is Faith Alive here at Every Nation Rosebank? I think I felt a little bit more during worship. Is Faith Alive this morning at Rosebank? There we go. There we go. Now listen, it's such a pleasure to be here. And, and, and yes, there is something very special that I think all of us have felt being here. And during the first service, during the praise and worship and seeing our youth up in here, I was just watering my mask with tears because there was just something special about being here and witnessing and seeing this. And I kept thinking to myself, I was like, what is this? Is it just, I just really love the young people? And I was like, it's got to be greater than that. And I know what it is. It's that the Spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. And you guys have created an atmosphere that invites who the Lord is to come in peace, to come in his love, to extend his grace and his mercy towards us. And we get to worship and celebrate our King and our Savior generationally, today, and it was just overwhelming, and I'm so glad that you guys are creating an atmosphere for that. Now, inviting God's presence um, and, and learning to spend time with our Lord and Savior, um, there's a lot that He has for us. There's a lot that He wants to say to us. There's a lot that He wants to show us. There's a lot that He wants to do through us. And so, Preparing this message for you guys here today, I was asking, Lord, what, what is it that is on your heart here for the people in Rosebank? And I believe he gave me something, um, but there was a picture that started coming to my mind, and I shared it with our church at home, but I was like, man, this is really something that I wanted to, to share here, and, and I do hope that it serves as an encouragement to you. It might seem a little bit weird, and I first had to check it because I'm I'm, I like food too, so... Um, I have not missed not one meal since I've been here. <laughs> now I'm going to miss that when I go home. Um, however, I saw a picture. It was a, a brown um, kind of a, I don't know, cu- cutting board. And there was flour on it. And there was two hands. And they were uh, working pizza dough. They were working pizza dough. And you know how you work pizza dough. You flip it. You toss it. You you turn it over, you're smushing it down, and you're, you're beating it and all these kinds of things, and it can be kind of rough, and it can be kind of tough. And what I felt the Lord was saying was that there are people who are feeling in this season of life like they are that pizza dough, that this is a very tough time, that this is maybe a hard time, and it feels like nothing is the same, and each day is bringing new challenges, And it feels like I'm just getting beat up a little bit more than I really prefer. And so I wanted to ask before I move on with this, is this anybody that feels has felt that way in this last little season of time? Yes. Okay. so I'm going to go forward with the uh, what I heard from the Lord, because after I heard him saying, as I saw this picture, I was like, well, what what does that mean? Are they being attacked? Is that the enemy? And, And here's the one word that I heard. Good. I know, you're looking at me crazy. Good. 
I said, hold on. I was like, good. What I believe the Father is saying is that in this season of time, the hands that are working you are not the hands of the enemy trying to destroy you or hurt you. They're the hands of your Father who's strengthening you and developing you. And that's good. And that is very good. So there are times in your life where these, like this, where it's like, you know what? I'm going to invite these challenges because it's causing me to step out on faith. And we know that the harder that dough, and this is, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, okay? But this is what I just feel was, was right. When you work dough too much, it gets too hard and too dense. And there's not a lot of pockets of air. And it's not very flaky and all that kind of stuff. And again, the Lord said, good. I don't want you light and flaky. If we're going to win this city, if we're going to withstand the attacks of the enemy, there is going to be a density in faith that, the God, that God is going to develop in you to be strong and to stand strong in the face of whatever life is throwing your way. So I want to, if, if it's okay with you, to take just a second and I want to pray God's peace and God's blessing over you in this season of time, that it would be one that doesn't beat you up, but it'd be one, it's one that strengthens you and, and, and grows your faith. Amen? Amen? Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you that we, our hearts, are submitted to you. And that as you speak to us in this season of time that feels like we're getting worked, let us know and be assured that these are the hands of the Father who are strengthening us, who are allowing us to exercise our faith, that's preparing us for what you have coming up next, that we would be the right people for the right time, for the right work that you are causing us to go and to do here in Rosebank. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 So my greetings to you from Orlando, Florida. I do apologize. I did not bring the heat with us. Um, however, I am from the little bit of the north part of Virginia, so I am absolutely loving um, this weather here with us um, that you guys have here. Let me um, show you some of your family. Let's see if I go the right way here. Ah, there it is. All right, so this is some of your family from Orlando. All right, this is myself, my wife, and my two daughters. And I know, Pastor, you said that there's something that caused us to stay here. We are going to stay till Saturday. We will be here, okay? And then we'll go back home for a little bit, maybe a year or so, and we'll come back. So, you know, we're, we're, we're here. This is family. This is home, all right? Um, but this is my wife, Tammy Monk. Um, she is the worship arts pastor at our church, and she is a joy. She brightens my world. She holds me accountable. She continues to check me and make me the man of God that I am today, and I love her so much for always having my back um, and always being such a multifaceted uh, woman of God. And then the one right there in the pink dress, um, I love when they do those hearts there, um, that's Tobin Elizabeth Monk. She is my oldest. She is seven years old. She loves everything arts coloring, painting, drawing, singing, dancing, instruments, music, um, and she has a little bit of an itch for basketball, which I'm really hoping gets really strong um, because I'm not really all those other things. Um, and then my youngest, her name is Sloan Elise Monk. That is my little chipmunk. 
Um, she is very keen to math and engineering and, and asking a lot of questions and how things work. So she's my daughter that asks, how does this work? What does this do? Why does this button do that? What does this button do? And she asks me questions that I don't know the answer to. And I, I don't lie, but I give her what I think the best answer is. Um, <laughs> And so she also, she's my, my little snuggle bug. She likes to sit down with me and we'll watch movies for hours. So I love that. Um, and she too, she has a little itch for sports, which is tennis right now. Um, so we're hoping that that again grows and grows. Um, and then I wanted to share with you um, just a picture of my father, since it is Father's Day. This is my father. His name is James Arthur Monk, um, better known as Art Monk. Um, I am James Arthur Monk Jr., and um, my father um, was just, he's a man of his word. You, if you met him, you would think that he was some, in some way, shape, or form in the army, um, but never was in the army. Just raised me like he was. Um, and uh, he played professional football um, in the NFL over here in America. And um, he was the greatest football player to ever live, in my opinion, my humble opinion. Um, he went into the Hall of Fame in 2008. And he's just a man that consistently provides. He consistently disciplines. He consistently gives his advice and shares his wisdom. Because at the very heart of this man right here is he wants the absolute best for his kids. And um, it's not just for myself, but for my two younger sisters, Danielle and Monica, as well. Um, so that is more of your family. So our family grew today. Um, now, <clears throat> if we could just stand here for just a moment as we read God's word. Our scripture today, I'm going to look at Genesis 13, verses 14 through 18. It says, The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. Father, we're so, so grateful to be with you this morning. I thank you, Lord God, that you met us here and we believe that your presence is with us. Because your presence is with us, Lord God, we know that our faith can be grown. We know that our minds can continue to be transformed and our hearts can draw closer and closer to you. Would you help us today to learn, but not just learn, but put into practice so that we can become more and more of who you made each and every one of us to be. We love you, Jesus. Help us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So um, the title for today's message uh, is God is showing you something. Okay? God is showing you something. And he uses a journey to show it to us. And so, so there are some things that we're going to look at. 
um, in Abraham's life and through his journey um, that I think some of us can relate to, hopefully all of us can relate to, but that we can also pull and learn from. Um, Because we're all on a journey, right? We are all going somewhere. Whether we're young, old, married, or single, working, not working, whatever it is, we are all on a journey and we're going somewhere. And a journey is not just a something to do. A journey is something that is going to grow you. There are going to be things that you learn along the way, things that you pick up, things that get developed on the inside of you, experiences that you have that begin to round you out just a little bit more so that you can grow and mature um, into who God's called you to be. And each stage of the journey is important, okay? So it doesn't matter today if you're young, This word can be for you too. And don't think that you're too old for the word either. Or don't think that you're too busy and you got so much else going on that this word is for somebody else because it's for you as well. How we start our journey matters. How we walk our journey in the middle of our journey matters. And how we come towards the end of our journey, it matters. And I would say it matters this. Now, this is coming from a youth pastor's heart. It's important that you, in the middle of your journey and towards the end of your journey, live it well for the Lord. And I say that because there are young people who are watching you. And so a question to ask is, can our young people, can you rub off on our young people at whatever stage of the journey that you're in today? If you're in the middle of your journey and you're working and you're parenting and you're in your community and you're serving, what are your kids looking at? What are your kids seeing? What, are they, what is being imparted to them as they watch you? And might I say to um, really fight against the temptation that when you get too old that this whole church thing is for somebody else. Because our young people know how to, they need to learn how to age well. Because if they see an older person an older mother, an older father, a grandmother, a grandfather, a, a, a go-go and baba, a go-go and baba, right? If they see go-go and baba saying, ah, oh, I don't need to go to church today, I'm too tired. Oh, you know what? I, I, I don't need to go do that evangelist thing. My knees are a little sore. And they see you start regressing in your relationship with Jesus, and they don't see a vibrancy of, and continuation of growth. What are they going to think? Oh, that when you get old, you, you're, you're pretty much done with this whole Christian thing. So, in their minds, why even start? Why even start down this road of following Jesus if all I'm going to do is live this long life, and then when I get old, I'm just going to leave it and sit it down on the counter and not use it anymore? So it's important that our journey, no matter where you are, no matter what stage you're in, that you're living it well and you're maximizing every moment that you're in. Get out of every moment that you're in, every life group that you attend, every service that you attend, every outreach, every discovery group, every time you evangelize, every time you go to work, max out. Get everything out of it and see how God will continue to grow you. It's not always easy, though. It's not like, oh, I'm just on this journey and things are going to be fine and it's going to be all handy dandy and I'm going to love this thing. It's going to be hard. 
Now, I remember my journey and how I got to Orlando. It wasn't the, um, it wasn't the easiest thing, but it was one that taught me how to really hear from the Lord and actually do what the Lord is calling me to do. You see, I, growing up, um, grew up in a privileged neighborhood and in a privileged home where my mother and my father were there, and so there was some stability there, but the hardest thing for me was school, was academics. If I could quit school and drop out in kindergarten, I probably would have. <laughs> if it was left up to me, I would have dropped out in a heartbeat. I would have said, hmm, I don't think the Lord has this for me. I think there's something else for me to do. Because school was just so hard academically. I liked the social aspect of it. That was cool. But the learning and the focusing, and um, I just, I had a behavior specialist that would sit in the back of my classroom and because I was always tapping and distracted and looking at other places and twiddling my thumbs and uh, just the ADHD, auditory processing hyperactive disorder was something that was just kind of brand new and surfacing back when I was younger and um, there wasn't really a whole lot of practices and, and things for it. And so I had a behavior specialist, I had tutors that would sit with me in the class and I was the kid that would make class a little bit longer because I would always ask the teacher to say, can you say that again? Can you do that problem again, please? And the teacher would get to the end of the problem and say, all right, everybody understand? No, I don't understand. You know, and I was told there was no such thing as a stupid question or a dumb question, but the students around me sure made me feel like it. Um, and, and one of the most impactful things that um, really damaged my heart uh, was I was in high school my freshman year and we we're learning just our freshman algebra and there was just something I just I, there was something I just could not get and understand the problem and my teacher I, I think I reached his daily quotient, quotient of uh, questions asked by a single student um, because when I asked him to do the problem again, because it just was not clicking for me, it was like a new language. This is on the chalkboard. He took the chalkboard and just he slammed it, broke the chalk in his hands, and he got so frustrated. He did his hands like this and was like, <sighs> and at that moment I said, okay, I will just sit through class. I don't really have to learn because obviously I'm too much and you're not willing to help me. And so that kind of led me into this very secluded place in my heart that nobody could really see from the outside. And so this journey that I was on was really impacted by this moment. Didn't really let people in, didn't let anybody make a decision for me. If I didn't want to do it, I wasn't going to do it. And if I had to do it, I would have done it, but you would have known I didn't want to do it, right? And so fast forward about three, four years, Pastor Tim, um, whose son and daughter are here actually, by the way, Sean and Kara, um, he asked me, we were on a family vacation, and along with some other families, he asked me about joining him and being a part of the church plan. He just felt like it's something that I should do, and I was like, no. I'm not going to take a step of faith like that. That is way out of my comfort zone. I don't know how all that works. I can't figure all that out. That's a new environment. That's new people. It's hot. 
in Orlando. So I knew it was hot and that Mickey lived there. And so I could visit, I could last about a week in Orlando. But other than that, ain't no way I could live there. But eventually, um, God would tug on my heart enough that I just said, you know what? Let me, let me, I'll go to Nashville and live with him for a little bit, get some experience working with kids, because that's kind of what I felt like I was leaning towards. And um, uh, in November of 2006, um, one of the few times that I heard from God so clearly, and this was the first time, I broke down in the middle of a service of a preaching. So it would be like right here, right now, somebody sitting next to you just starts breaking down crying. And you're like, he hadn't even said anything like deep yet. What are you crying for? And all Pastor Rice was, Dr. Rice was talking about was he was, he was starting to talk about, the, he was explaining the story of the Good Samaritan. And in my heart just like just churning in my chest and in my stomach. And I heard this voice say, get over your fear and go. And I knew exactly what that voice was talking about. And I said, daggone it. I wish I didn't hear that because I can't unhear it now. And then it was, again, get over your fear and go. And bucket tears are just falling. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I cannot even. I'm trying to, you know, (laughs) put the tears back in my eyes. and It's just not working. And so at that moment in the service, I said, okay. I said, okay, God. This must be just a part of the journey that you have me on. I'm going to Orlando, and that is all that I know. I don't know where I'm going to work because I don't have a job. I don't have money in my bank account to move down there. I don't exactly know right now where I'm going to live. I have a car, um, some shoes, and a whole bunch of shorts and T-shirts. That's literally that's about all I had. And so I eventually said yes to Jesus. And in doing that, I started really on this journey that has really shaped me, has really molded me, and has allowed me to really discover more of who I am, but not who I am just for me, but for my family, for my wife, for my kids, for the people that we serve, for the communities that we're in. And it has been a journey that I would never, ever, 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 ever want to go back and do differently. Because I believe that every step of the way was intentional and was on purpose. Every place that God had me at, every situation that I went through was on purpose. And as we look here a little bit at the, the journey in the life of Abraham. We know that he was on a journey. He was on a journey. He was living in a pagan culture, in a routine, in a routine of, of the, the, the culture, the, the way they did life and the, the gods that they worshipped and how they harvested and did all those things. But at some point, God tapped him on his shoulder and called him to go somewhere. And he did. He packed up his family and they left. And in chapter 11 of Genesis, this is not in the, on the slides here, but I just wanted to say, because when I was reading this, it really jumped out to me. Towards the end of chapter 11, it says that when they got to where they were, the, Abraham's father settled down. He settled down. And I couldn't get away from that, that settling down part. I said, God, what, what is in this that I can't get away from? And it's, when I read this, it jumped out to me that settling down can actually be something that's dangerous. When we settle in, when we get comfortable in our routine, 
Sure, it's good to create some rhythm and have some normalcy. And those of you who are parents and, and I'm the same way, I'm like, listen, we got a routine. You go to bed at 730 because if not, you ain't waking up before I need to wake up because I'm not going to be happy. I need this routine. My kids need this routine. They need the stability and all this kind of stuff. But there's a dangerous side to it because there can come a point in our lives where we, we get so caught up in our routines that we get so comfortable in our routines that we begin to rely on our routines to help get us through the day, to help us keep our sanity, to help us keep our jobs, to help, us keep, to help keep us moving forward, and we begin to less and less rely on God. And so our heart and our minds become more in tune with our routine and less in line with what God has for us. Because God is always what? Showing us something. He has us on a what? A journey. And if we just settle in, we're going to miss the things that God has for us to the where the things that we're responsible for and that are around us, they can actually begin to die because we're not paying any attention to them because we're so stuck in our routine. It reminded me of the rich young ruler came to Jesus. Teacher, teacher, how can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus gave him, you got to do this, this, and this. He's like, oh, I do that. I'm in the routine. Oh, I can do this, 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 and this. Is there anything else? Because I'm asking, like, is there anything else? Like, I've already done everything. I'm already in the routine. So is there anything else that you can, so I can show you how good I really am? He said, oh, yeah, okay, go sell everything and then come follow me. We never saw a homeboy again. (laughs) Because settling into your routine causes you to not live in a place of faith. And as soon as Jesus called this rich young ruler into a place of faith, He didn't know what to do with it because he was so stuck in living in his routine. And so the encouragement to us is to not let the altar, don't let our sacrifices, our routines, become our idol. Okay? Let's not let our routine and our sacrifices become an idol. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a great man. I'm a great woman. I'm a great child. I sacrifice and I go to my Bible study. That's a sacrifice of my time because I could be playing video games. I could be playing soccer. I could be sleeping. um, I could be doing something else. I go to church. I got that in my routine. Um, I make it home after work. I got that in my routine. And I look at all my sacrifices and say, yeah, look at me. I'm doing good. And now I begin to worship my sacrifice and I lose sight of Jesus. But when your altar becomes your idol... Your sacrifice becomes a mockery to God. And to the people that are around you and watching you, this is what rubs off on them. This is kind of what gets imparted to them, that being a Christian is just a routine, a do-gooder, somebody that just chooses to do the right thing but don't really see the whole life in it because the person really starts just going through the motions. And your sacrifices... Your sacrifices to God lack faith, and they lack the meaning behind it. I'm getting up because it's my routine. This is what I'm supposed to do, not because I'm anxious to meet the Lord this morning and hear what he has to say to me, because I know he's got something new, because the Bible says his grace and mercies are new every morning for me. There's no hunger and thirsting for righteousness because it's just my routine. Wake up, up. Five minutes have passed. I've done my devotion. 
Okay, what's my next thing? Maybe brush my teeth, da 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 And you get so comfortable in that routine that faith will paralyze you. Yeah? Faith will paralyze you if you get too comfortable in your routine. And what I mean is, as soon as one of the pastors say, we're going to a new area of the city, we're going to evangelize here, we're going to extend ourselves and go reach, do some outreach over here, you freeze. <gasps> That's not in my routine. Well, why isn't that in your routine? Because there's, that call is requiring faith, not routine. And faith is something that is familiar to a Christian, not causes a Christian to freeze. So if I am a follower of Jesus, when I hear the pastor say, this is where we're going, this is where we're doing, oh, I'm there. Sign me up. There's a place to exercise my faith. There's a place where I can step out into a, a, a realm that's a little bit uncomfortable. I loved hearing from our team uh, uh, yesterday when there, uh, we were here for the discovery groups and the outreach that you guys do on Saturday mornings, which was tremendous, by the way. Y'all are, I'm telling you, y'all are giving us a lot of ideas of what we need to go back home and do in Orlando. So I'm grateful for our family here to go, that we're learning from you guys, right? We're not just here to serve. We're here to learn from our family as well. Um, but, uh, you know, there was an opportunity to do something that was a little bit out of their comfort zone. And they said, oh, okay, I'll do, I'll do that. Out of, it's out of my comfort zone. I, I don't really do this. I don't really know how to do it. But guess what? Faith is alive. I woke up this morning. I said, Jesus, you have my yes. So wherever you call me and whatever you want me to do, wherever there's a need, I'm just going to go step into it. And I'm going to live this life as, of faith just like we see Abraham do. God said, I'm calling you here because I'm going to bless my nations through you. And so what did Abraham do? He, got, he went. He said, okay, I've got the faith for it, so I'm going to go. So we can't freeze. But can God use a settled man? If you are settled in, in a routine, can God use you? Absolutely he can. But first he's got to break you from it. He's got to break you out of that routine. And it might be something that will be a little bit jarring, right? And it might not always be just the voice of the Lord saying, champ, let's go. It's time to go. It might be your wife. You need to go be a part of that men's outreach. Oh, that might be the nudge of the Lord through your wife. It might be the call through one of your pastors to say, hey, we need help over here at Transformation Fred, Fred, Fredador. Why wouldn't you go? Why wouldn't you? Because it, it cause, because I, I, is there a good enough reason not to go? It's a question you have to think about. But it's really awesome to see how God called someone like Abraham who wasn't following God. He was worshiping the moon God and the sun God and the earth God and all these things. But God said, I'm going to break this man from it because this is a man of faith and he's going to go where I say go. And he's going to do what I say do. And I'm going to use this man to bring the, my, my salvation to the nations. To show my people, to show my glory to the nation. I'll make a covenant with this man and I'm going to bless the earth through him. 
And that's what the Lord wants to do through you, but he's got to have your yes. And here's sometimes what happens. Now, I'll try to say this in a very, the nicest way I think that I can say it. Um, if you sit in your stink too long, you won't stink anymore. Right? If you sit in your own stink too long, you won't stink anymore. You won't smell it because you got comfortable with it. And what is it going to take? Somebody else to step into your life and say, whoo, it stinks in here. And you'd be like, it, it does, really? Yeah. So here's what I want you guys to do. Let today be the last day that you don't invite somebody to interrupt you if you're stinking. Yes? Yes? And that can come from anybody because the truth is the truth, no matter who it comes from. The Lord wants to speak to you. He'll use, he might use your kids. Daddy, why are you just sitting around the house all day? Daddy, Jesus, uh, uh, the, the pastor said that all the men were going to do, to do so. How come you're still here and not with the other men? You got to wake up and be interrupted from that. But know that it's not an attack on you. It's not an attack on your character. You just realizing, you know what? I've settled in my routine, but thank you, Lord Jesus, that I heard from my wife, from my kids, from my pastor, from a brother, from a mother, from a sister, from somebody who cares enough about me to get me out of it. You know what? I should be at that discovery group. My goodness. All right. I'm getting too comfortable up here. So what does it look like for a man to respond to the call, for a woman to respond to the call, for a child to respond to the call? Because God is showing you something, the question is, do you see it? Do you see it? If God is showing you something, do you see it? Genesis 13, 14 through 15 says, The Lord said to Abram after Lot parted from him, Look around you from where you are. The north, the south, the east, and the west. Okay? Everywhere. Everywhere. Like in the Lion King, everywhere the light touches is yours. That's a lot of space. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. But you can't see that if you don't look. You won't be able to see what God is doing if you're not looking. Right. When I was, oh, this was maybe, gosh, several years ago, there was a high school student. I would pick him up before school from his house. I would take him to this park and we, I would, I was committed to him to do devotions with him every Wednesday morning at, uh, what was it? Uh, like 630 before school started at 720. So we took him to this park. We would read the Bible. We would pray. And my hope was that he would not get caught in the routine of just waking up, reading the Bible, and going to school, as so many of our young people do. It's great that they get up and read the Bible, but there is life that God is giving to us. There is great power and great strength that we can draw from his words. And if it becomes something that's a routine, it'd be something that we just absolutely push to the side after a season of time. So I was like, I'm going to take time and I'm going to show him this. 
And after every time we did the devotion, we would go and we stand up right before the lake and we could see this place called Baldwin Park and we would see the docks, we would see the lake and we would see across, we would see houses and buildings and restaurants and um, places of business and stuff like that. And I would say, all right, champ, you know, I was trying to do my little, uh, you know, wax on, wax off, my little Miyagi thing with him. I was like, I'm going to use this like cool way and he's going to have this revelation and be like, wow, I get it now. Because there was something I wanted him to see. I said, I would take him to the edge, and I would say, champ, tell me what do you see? And he would say, okay, um, oh, there's some birds that just flew by. So I saw the bird. I said, okay, good, yeah. He said, I see some buildings and some houses. I see the docks. Um, I see the lake and the water, and uh, there's a lot of trees and, and grass around here. I said, okay, is that all you see? He was like, he kind of looked at me like, there's the sky. Um, and like, duh, yeah, that's everything that's here. So I said, okay. And so I did with him, this with him for a whole semester in my heart, knowing he was going to get it, but he didn't get it. Um, <laughs> but what I wanted him to see was not just a building, was not just grass, was not just birds. I wanted him to see something a little bit different than, the, than what he could see just physically was there's actually people that live in those houses, and if there's people that live in their houses, there's a God that cares about them. And maybe God could use me to care about them. There's life all around me. There's your creation. There is your wonder and your beauty and your splendor all around me. And if I miss that because I'm so stuck in my routine, then my eyes are always just going to be looking down and I'm only going to be focused on what I think I need to do. But God called Abraham from where he was to look up and look around him because this is, where you're, this is where the generations and generations are going to be impacted. These are where houses and towns and cities are going to be built. This is where the word is going to spread. This is where you, your, your children, your children's children, your children's children's children are going to live and reside for my glory. And if I don't see that, then the way that I lead, the way that I lead my family, the way that I lead people in my church, the way I lead my life group is only going to be, is going to be dictated by how I see them. And if I only see my life group or this service that I'm doing or my family as something to just do, then there's going to be no life that I'm giving them in it. And it's the same way when it comes to raising our kids. If all we see are some little people that I need to teach you right from wrong and I need to teach you how to do your homework and behave, then that's all you're going to get from them. When there is so much more in your children, but have you looked up to look at your children lately? Have you looked up to look at your brothers and your sisters lately? Because that will dictate how you talk to them. If I see a champion in you, even though you are going crazy right now, I am still going to speak faith and life to you because I see the champion that God has for you to be. And that is who I'm going to keep speaking to. That is who I'm going to keep drawing out of when I interact with you. And it's important to say, it says, look around from where you are. So just ask yourself, where are you right now? Not like spiritually, like physically, where are you in to like today? Like you're in church. Okay, great. But you are in your home. You are in your place of business. You are in your community. So what do you think God wants you to look up and see? Your family, your community. 
Because sometimes what happens is your house can be more like a pit stop, right? You come here, you do what you got to do, and then I'm back out for work. This is more addressed to the fathers right here in the moment. But instead of looking at your house like a pit stop, I want you to look at your house more like a garden that you need to cultivate. There is some work to be done in your homes. There are some little plants that need some tending to, some pruning. There are some mature plants that need some loving and some tenderness. They need some time spent with them. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but somebody said if you talk to plants like it helps them grow, I, I don't know. But I do know when you spend time and you talk with your wife and you see her for who she is and who the beauty that God created her for, something happens. And the same thing with your kids. So the same way Abraham called, uh, God called Abraham to look up and see what's around you, there's something in what's around you that he has for you to have an influence over. And that's what we got to do. And that's got to start today. Because if we're not bringing life to it, then we're draining life from it. There's something that is lacking if you're not present, if you're just pulling from, okay? All right. And lastly, to see what God is showing you, you must go. We know we all heard that, every nation, baby. That's, that's, our, that's our motto. That's our theme. We got to go. Where are we going? To every nation. Where are we going? To every campus. We're going, right? Oh. 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 Genesis 13, 17 says this, go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. All throughout scripture, we see a lot of action. And I love it because our God is a God of action. As I would say back home, he bout that action. All right. He's not just calling us. He's not just wanting to speak to us, but he's wanting to see us go and take territory and expand his kingdom. And all throughout scripture, we see this. Acts 3, 6, a familiar scripture where Peter and I believe it's John are walking to the temple. Now they could have been stuck in their routine. At this time, we go to the temple. This is where we worship and then we leave because we're on our schedule. But this time when they were walking by, something interrupted their schedule. This paralyzed man begging for money. The only way he could get food to eat because he couldn't work was to beg for it. And there was an action that was required beyond just what they said to him. Because what did they say to this man? Silver and gold, I do not have. Brother, I don't have any money to give you, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one who has the power, the one who created you, the one that knows you the most, in his name and in his power, get up. Now, he could have been like, that was a good one. You felt that, right? All right. Now I'm going to go get my worship on in, my, in the sanctuary here. No, no, no. He stayed there, right? Because 
The word of the Lord is not just to go. It's, it's about the action. And he's saying, you know what? He said, get up. And he reached down his hand and he began to lift up this paralyzed man. He trusted in God's word so much that he actually followed it with the action of going down to him and beginning to lift him up. Do we believe in the word of God that he has given here at Every Nation Rosebank to go to the baby havens, to go to transformation, to go to this city, to go to these places enough? Do we believe them enough that we're actually going to go and work it and see the miracles? Because of all you do is hear it and be encouraged by it and be like, yeah, that's great. You'll never see the miracle that God is doing through here. I saw the miracles yesterday. We, we had a team that went out to do evangelism. Five people gave their life to the Lord yesterday through that. We had our discovery groups. We had one, one of the men that came to discovery groups, took some back and forth, but he ended up surrendering his life to Jesus. Said like a, he felt like as he was talking, a weight had just been lifted off his shoulders. And he was here this morning at the early service. And he was here this morning at the early service. It was his first time responding to the Lord. It was his first time here with Every Nation Rosebank. This is what God is doing. There is new life that God is wanting to see in this city, and he's going to use you, who he is calling to go do it, if you're willing to go. Because when you go, when he said, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, Walk through the length and the breadth of the land. When you see that and when you feel that, you begin to start having a heart for it. Go walk around at the park. Go venture down the street. What does it smell like? What do you hear? What do you see? What do you feel? There is something in the land that God wants you to have a heart for because he's depositing your heart for his people and he wants you to go and do it because this is what he is showing you. And we all know Matthew 28, 19. You probably know this inside and out. Go to the nations. Go to the nations. You can walk. You can drive. You can skip. You can hop. You can army crawl. You can roll. But the most important thing is that you got to go. And so if God is calling you today to get out of your routine, to look up, and to look around you, to begin cultivating the life in the world around you, to start going to where God is not just calling you to go. If you're a part of this church, you are called to everything that this church is doing. Amen? So there should be a great surge. There should be no lack of help. There should be no lack of heart. There should be no lack of volunteers. There should be no lack of people saying, I got you, I'm going. We're, we're just... Pastor, point me and just show me where to go, and I'm going to go because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm a child of faith, and I'm going to go. But if you've been so stuck in that routine, if everybody could just close your eyes right now. If you feel like you've been stuck in that routine, and time after time you've gotten too comfortable with just the culture of church that you've not really been living your life of faith and extending yourself to take those steps of faith to see God do stuff through you, to do miracles through you. You've been seeing it through other people. You've been seeing it through your pastors. You've been seeing it through your leaders. 
You've been seeing and hearing these stories of them seeing people saved and seeing people healed and doing all these things and you feel like, man, that's good for them. But God, you haven't done that through me yet. God could be calling you today out of your routine. And if God is calling you today out of your routine, I would love for you to just slip your hand up in the air because I want to pray for you. Amen. You can go ahead and put your hand down. I'm going to pray, Father. Oh, man, you love us so much. Ah, you're just, you're after our hearts and you're so good at getting to our hearts. It's such a great sign that you love us. Thank you, Lord, that even when we do wrong, there's no condemnation. But it's only the extension of your love, your grace, and your mercy because you have our yes. Father, for those who have been caught up in the routine, we thank you that today was the day that you broke that routine and you are going to cause them to see differently and you're going to cause them to go faithfully. Lord, would you continue to let this be the way that they live the rest of their lives till they're old and gray, till they can't even move anymore. Let faith stay and be alive in each and every single one of them. That the fruit that comes from them would be one that glorifies you. That faith would be built up in their hearts and that for our young people who see it, faith would be built up in their hearts too to go do things that they think are impossible. In Jesus' name, amen.